Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Lee Cantor here with another episode of Learning Insights brought to you by our good friends at Training Pros. Today I have Paul Tannehill. He is with Lynn Benton Community College. He is the e-learning systems administrator and ed tech trainer. Welcome, Paul. Hi, thanks for having me. This is Paul. Hey, um, well, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about Lynn Benton? How are you serving folks over there? You're in Oregon, right? Yes, we're in the mid Willamette Valley between uh, Salem and Eugene, about halfway in between, roughly about an hour and a half south of Portland. Um, just a community college serving primarily the residents of Lynn County and Benton County. And I've uh, been here about 10 and a half years now at this college. Now, um, is your focus primarily on e-learning? Yeah, um, I'm the system administrator for the learning management system, one of two system administrators here. And um, I'm heavily involved in training the faculty on how to use the technology to serve their students' learning and retention. So I'm a training person in an educational setting, and it's, it's kind of an interesting place to be. And then the people you are training are the uh, people who work at the university or the college. Yeah, for the most part, uh, uh, my they're my secondary client. This, this, of course, this the the end client is the student. I do some training and interfacing with them, but ninety uh, percent is is working with the faculty. So, did um, the college embrace e-learning pretty early on? Have they been leveraging that for a while? Yeah, they've been leveraging what they've been referring to as e-learning for about going on 20 years now. Um, when I started, they were using a different learning management system than we're using now. We're using Moodle now. And beforehand, it was, uh, they were pretty much using the system just for like a file repository for storing PowerPoints and Word docs and PDFs. So I came in to, one of the big things I was trying to do is try to get some, some functionality in the, in the LMS. So now, um, what did you, you were kind of championing, championing that change? Well, I was, but it, the momentum had already started before I got here. Um, that was part of what I was originally hired to do was, was help manage the decision between whether to stay with the previous LMS or to move to a new one. There was already a little bit of momentum, well, a, a lot of momentum, I should say, to go toward Moodle, the one we wound up choosing. But we, we wanted to have a, we wanted to have a, a, a legitimate decision between a number of systems. And so my first year here pretty much was taken up with, was just helping the college decide which system was the best fit. And then when you did decide to make the change, um, what'd you learn about implementing a change of that, uh, magnitude? Well, we learned, I think I personally learned a lot of the challenges from, I, it was also at that point, well, just a little before that point in my career where I was transitioning from training to education. And there's a, there's a whole realm of difference between those two worlds, basically. But I think the biggest thing I learned was that there, it can be a, a challenge to get people who didn't, who, who, I guess it's, who didn't experience any kind of technology over and above a chalkboard and a film projector, basically, in their own education, getting, getting them to consider 
that in today's world, there, there's ways to use technology in all kinds of great ways to increase learning and retention, getting getting over that hump with people, uh, with faculty, before they can really embrace the tools we have today. Was it something that um, some people were, you know, comfortable with in-person chalkboard, like you were saying, and it's a different skill set, right? You need different skills um, to execute uh, on Oh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely a different skill set. There's maybe 10 or 15% of the instructors that I work with have either got those kind of skills more or less innately or having developed them on their own. The the vast majority of of our instructors, like we want them to be, are heavily immersed in their fields of study. They, They don't want to be necessarily or need to be experts in the technology. We try to work the technology so that let the tech people like me who have fun with the technology and keep up on all that. Let us worry about that technology. Let the subject matter experts, the instructors, not worry so much about the tech. Let that tech lie in the background while we manage it and make it fly for them. And so getting them to to the point of where they can put a toe in the water, not necessarily have to do all the management of their course themselves, and let us handle the technical stuff and watch the magic happen with the students. So when you're able to execute that, that, that sounds to me as a re- recipe for success. If they can stay in their lane and not really get bogged down by the technology um, and then just focus on the student and the learning and then you handle all of the technology, that seems like a huge weight lifted off of them. Or they, they, that probably works well for them. Yeah, That's pretty much the goal with a, with a little bit of crossover um, by necessity. But, um, yeah, for the most part... They stay in their lane. I, I stay in ours, and uh, with a little bit of crossover, not too much, um, things can really take off well for them. So now, were there any lessons that you uh, kind of put a list together of how not to do this? Uh, you know, some do's and don'ts about adopting a new technology. Yeah, I think in academia, and this is the second my second institution. I worked at Oregon State University, which is just twenty minutes down the road down here. Before coming over here to this college, so. I've, in a, in a university and in a community college, both um, faculty instructors in an academic setting, which is going to be, which is different than my experience in training. Instructors are, are um, in my experience, my observation, much more protective of their content and of their te- teaching methodologies. They hold the concept of academic freedom like it is the holy grail. And so, um, which is, can be good or bad, but um, so to respect that and not try to force anything on them. And they're the, by far my, the best results for me have been when I can make my awesome idea become their awesome idea. And at the moment it becomes their idea, they're all over it. They jump on it, whatever the idea is, and they embrace it and run through with it. Yeah, that's a good lesson for everybody. It's always uh, uh, when you can have your client kind of self-discover the solution and you're humble enough to not feel that you have to take credit for it. Everybody kind of wins, I think, in that in- environment. Exactly. And some, some I've, I've had that process take years and years to develop. I've had instructors, and I've been here, like I said, 10 and a half years. I've had instructors approach me, you know, quite, quite often. Hey, Paul, I know a year or two or five or six years ago, 
you talked to me about this or that technology, and I wasn't ready for it. But if I have one more of my students asking me why I'm not using this technology when all of their other instructors are, Paul, can you just show me that thing again? So it, sometimes it takes years for that to happen, but when it does, it's a it's a it's really a beautiful sight to be, to behold just to see an instructor ready to take that leap. And sometimes, occasionally, even I've had instructors that are thinking of leaving the field or retiring, but this whole new realm of using technology and their teaching sparks a new interest and new energy, and they decide to stay on for a few more years. That's, that's kind of cool to see happen. It kind of re-energizes them, right? Because it's like them getting to oh, yeah. kind of play with a new toy. It, exactly, yeah, yeah. Now, um, what about from the student standpoint? Are, do you find that the students are uh, learning better? Or there, do you have any kind of stats on that to see if the if the end user is actually benefiting from this type of you know methodology? Yeah, but at our college, it's still um, that's one of our ongoing challenges is is trying to well the the, the stats would would show better results on paper at least if we had more consistency across the board, and that's a, that's a daily challenge with us, is more consistency in the quality of the courses. Now, here at my college, um, well, I guess typically when you think of e-learning, typically people think of online education where you don't even maybe even have to step foot physically on a campus. Right. And so, but, but e-learning e e is, is much more than that. And to me, the, the real meat and potatoes, the real fun and the real benefit to an e-learning system, an LMS, is in a, in a hybrid model where students are, are learning partially together live synchronously and partially asynchronously through the system of technology. And so um, about uh, getting on about 90% of our courses that use our LMS are actually our face-to-face -face courses. Very few. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of online courses. We're trying to increase them, but if we were to increase them, we'd also want to increase the quality. So where I was getting at a minute ago was that it's um, it's been a real challenge in getting some consistency across the board of just some basic things that need to be happening in a typical course at the college um, because of this the academic freedom. We can't step on that. And so we have to find this balance between what we know would, would substantially increase student learning and retention across the board. We've got to balance that with instructors needs for their academic freedom now are you finding that um like you said the hybrid in your mind kind of is the is what you should be shooting for right some you got the in in class stuff they're learning they're interacting face to face with the instructor and the their classmates then you have them you know outside of the classroom where now they can leverage the technology they can still interact in group forms, right, with forums and stuff through e-learning and still reach out to the instructor. So the, there's a way to meld them all together in an optimal. It's just getting yeah. the instructor kind of on board to kind of believe that and to and to really lean into it. Is that a challenge? That's a good way to put it, yeah. I was going to say um, when I can give an instructor – a good solid vision of what they could be doing in their course, just in regard to if they only want to use e-learning technologies regarding the content of their course, let alone any of their activities. And my LMS Moodle, Moodle divides things up into resources and activities. So your, your content and then what you do with that content. Right. And if an instructor only, only wants to deal with resources, say a, a way to, to uh, provide 
links to all of the lecture notes and handouts and multimedia they might have recorded um, so that a student, after a typical traditional face-to-face class lecture time that evening, they want to go refresh their their uh, their knowledge on that, which is, of course, the greatest time to do such a thing is, you know, uh, shortly after a lecture, go revisit the notes and the slideshow and or the video. And then they can also do it again the next week, the week after that, cram for the midterm. The, the content is always available before, during, and after the experience was, was provided in, you know, in the time and space of the classroom. And so when an instructor realizes that, that and I get them to, to ask themselves now, if you had had that in your own college education, how, how much better of a student, how much, how much greater learning could you have achieved? And when they can catch that vision, vision for themselves and realize it's not rocket science nowadays to provide that for the students, that oftentimes says, okay, Paul, show me how to do it. Right. And, and, then and we that... can, we'll move over to the resources, or to the activities, and I'll say, you know, you, you might have been a student in college where during the face-to-face uh, class discussion time, you know, there's always a, a student or two or three who might be too shy to speak up. Right. They might, uh, they might think of the perfect thing to say about three seconds too late because the conversation has shifted gears. Right. Or they might think of a website that they read just the night before. Oh, I'd like to share that. How are you going to, you know, blurt out this big long URL to a story? And so in the live discussion time, that's all fine. But, but to be able to extend that time into an asynchronous discussion as a follow-up, so we start with a face-to-face discussion, morph into the online form in the LMS course, and the experience can be so much richer because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I do so much of my learning from fellow learners in forums that discuss what we've been learning and our own perspectives on it after the initial time and space event happens. So when, a, when an instructor can capture that and relate to how even – Sometimes they'll be expressing, boy, I wish I had this when I was in college. Well, okay, but you can provide it now that you're teaching in college. Right. I love it. And that's once that light bulb goes out, then they're really going to leverage this tool. Because the the repository of the content, that seems like, I mean, that's low-hanging fruit, right? That's the stuff that they should be doing. That's a kind of a no-brainer. But once you start leveraging the forums where there's interaction engagement and they're sharing and then that's where the oh, mag- yeah. that's yeah. where the magic is happening that's when you're really leveraging the technology exactly and i when i'm able to, to convince instructors of the fact that um if, if they only ever achieve about 10 percent of the functionality that the system offers that 10 percent is huge compared to zero percent right especially when you consider to today's students, and I don't care really what age they're they're coming in the door here. You know, primarily the younger students, but but uh, the majority of our students come in the door expecting these resources to be available to them, twenty four seven, not just up in a classroom and this and that building with you got to bring your book and your pen and paper. There's, they expect more day, more nowadays, especially if they've also gone to other colleges that provide it. So, our our end client is walking in the door expecting and demanding this and if we don't deliver it there's other community colleges that do and that will do it right it's like you said these students are digital natives they've been they were born with a tablet or a phone in their hand i mean that's their way of dealing yeah, with they quite often are 
So it's um, you have that's to give them sometimes a challenge with <laughs> right. Go ahead. And then it's a, even in the classroom, I mean, there's ways to leverage. I don't know if your LMS does that, but there's ways to leverage them. They can kind of live tweet in, in the classroom and, and have comments and polls and stuff during the class That's right. uh, That's to right. get data to see if people understand. I mean, even just a basic thumbs up or thumbs down, are we ready to move on, yep. is valuable information for an instructor. That absolutely is, yeah. So now for you, uh, that I guess you're excited about the technology. It might be sometimes frustrating to get the um, kind of the instructors to use more and more of it. And um, how do you go about kind of incenting them or encouraging them to, um, you know, hit the gas a little bit and just see what this thing can do? Well, when I can get some face-to-face -face time with them, and we, we, we had a phase here a while back where um, we were trying to get our training for faculty on using the LMS to only be represented in the LMS because the, the thinking back then was, well, if they're going to be teaching using the LMS, they should be able to learn using the LMS. But, but like I was saying earlier, a lot, of the, a lot of the instructors, the majority of our instructors, didn't get their own education using an LMS, right. so they're not accustomed to it. Right, so, it's all so new. The magic magic really happens. Hey, can we grab an hour or two together? And I guarantee you will think that that was time well spent. And then in that hour, I show them, I ask them, okay, give me, give me a rundown of a typical class session. What do you do in this hour or hour and a half or two hour session you have? What's the first thing you do? The second thing you do right on down the line, just a typical class. So we, we lay out a list of say the eight or 10 things that they do. And I tell them, okay, I show them out of these eight or 10 things, there's three or four that can that our system can handle for you or at least much more efficiently than the way you're doing it. Let me build some virtual examples of what you're doing physically, and then I'll show them how easy it is to replicate those things from week to week to week right on down the line in, on the page in their Moodle course. So then when they see how easy it is to, to, to virtualize a lot of the physical things they do in class, and I always I try to make it in the context of and see doing that, have the technology doing that boring stuff for you is going to free up more student contact time. And that's that is definitely a key component to student success. If you if you can if you can forego grading paper quizzes in your class during the last 10 minutes of each, each session when learning could be happening, but instead you're in the back of the class with a pen and paper, you know, let the system do that for you. Now all of a sudden you've got 10 more minutes with your students. Right. And, and when they can wait, when they can demonstrate that in our face-to-face -face sessions, the, the light bulb goes on for them. Now, and it's one of those things that once you input all these resources in there, it probably doesn't change that much, you know, from one semester to the other. I don't know if you're in quarters or semesters. So that once they have all those things in there, it's not like they have to keep putting them back in there every every class. Exactly. And if there's any changes, it's just super easy right. to edit those and update them. So there's no there's no rebuilding of anything unless it's there. Exactly. Yeah. So that how much time does that save them every year? I mean, every class. I mean, it, Oh yeah, <laughs> just, just that. Just, just on that concept alone, that by itself is one of those reasons. If that's all you use our LMS for, it's worth it. Now imagine using the LMS for two or three more of those simple things. You're gonna, we 
we have faculty that say, Paul, I don't know how I could teach without the LMS nowadays. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Preach that word. <laughs> really? Bro. Tell your friends here. Let's let's That's get them right. in here. So now, how important is it to kind of um, get the student's perspective involved in this? Does that help kind of sell this to the instructors when the students are like kind of clamoring for it? Yeah, it really does. That That is oftentimes the either the final straw or a, a primary motivator for the faculty. One of the challenges I have here is I'm not a faculty member. I'm only a classified puke. And so, I mean, so, but I have faculty oftentimes uh, are surprised that I'm not a fellow faculty member. And so there, there's a, there's a class system here, you know, based on hierarchies and everything. But, but, um, where was I going to go with that? The, the fact that, um, so you don't have well, access when, when to I, the well, students can, as much as you'd like. Yeah. It's, I, Exactly. So I've got to, I have to kind of work my way in. And so a, a great example recently that's got my heart on fire right now is I was helping one of our speech instructors and she was asking me to help her soup up her Moodle course. And she didn't give me any more parameters other than, can I, can you help me soup up my, my LMS course? Sure. Let's get some time together. So in the span of an hour, we're sitting in the computer lab together and she's talking about these various speeches that she wants the students to be able to record and then post in a forum to, to critique each other on. I said, okay, that's awesome. Have you ever thought of having uh, one of your speech assignments for your, for your students to get up and give a speech in front of their fellow students in your class? Uh, imagine, say, a three- to five-minute speech, and the subject matter is Moodle or LMS. What do they like about it? What don't they like about it? They have experience in it because they were taking your class and right, they're using among it. other classes right. that use Moodle. So give, have them give the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'll be there in the class to collect their feedback. And so I've sat in on five sessions now, and every time, even if or always a number of students have got a few negative things to say about it, but my, my head is just spinning in a good way, like... I, and I get up and tell these students at the end of the sessions, you have given me a pocket full of gold right now because I can take this direct feedback from you, our end client. I can take this back to my team and to my faculty members that I serve and tweak the system and make it work better for you based on what you're giving me right here. And so I, we, we appreciate that beyond words. And so being able to have that student perspective um, in, in the free and open, candid way, you know, tell me the good, tell me the bad, tell me everything in between. Um, I'm taking that directly back and making the system better for you. That, that's, that's just been a great experience. I'm going to do some more of that. Now, are you videoing that so you can, I mean, you can take all that content and give it to the folks at Moodle and they'll appreciate that. When they're... Yeah. The, well, the, I started off doing that, but then, and, and I shared the first session's videos with my team but they accessed my notes a whole lot more than they didn't want to really? take time to watch the videos because I already had. So the notes I'm taking is where, where the real gold is. Uh -huh. And um, so, and it's you know, much quicker to digest at that point. Right. So you my can team skim. will go in and, and review these notes. Yeah. Right. You can skim. It's, it's easy to skim, you know, digital text. It's hard to skim audio and video. Right. Yeah. The, if my team were to go in there with me into one of these class sessions and watch it, um, 
I'm afraid they would all want to do it. And it's, it's, <laughs> then I might not get to, and it's, it's fun for me. So I'm going to keep it all to myself. Right. Well, it, it's good for you because you kind of have this holistic view and you can connect dots that maybe some of the other people can't. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So, so now, um, having uh, gone through the variety, I guess, of, of doing this for a while now, have you kind of landed on a training philosophy that works or that you recommend? Yeah, I really have. Um, I've got, I've got a couple things that I, um, had indicated when we talked earlier about, about what we want to discuss today. And, um, I think my training philosophy, philosophy, it feels really unconventional in this, academia world. I, I'm a former Marine and I'm a former workplace training person, not an academic by any means. I, I barely fudge my way through college and I, I'm a very typical community college student. I, I was in and out, uh, life got in the way for me a lot. Um, but I connected much more to the training I received than to the academic instruction I was involved with. And so my, my, Basic training philosophy involves a mix of, um, I guess, how should I put it? Like trying to, I try to develop my own, and I refer to KSAs, knowledge, skills, and abilities. I, I think the best way, at least from my learning, is a mix of formal learning and informal learning, personal experience, applying that learning, incidental study when I have a chance and a and a opportunity to learn something on a topic that I've been interested in. And I've tried to maintain a personal balance of all the learning styles and try to try to um, I'm more on that later and multimodal learning. And I try to mix all of those different styles and ways and methodologies of learning to fuel a perpetual mindset of curiosity. Because I, I think the best learner, best learners are those who are naturally curious. And the more you can do to, to nurture your curiosity, the more and more effectively you're going to be able to learn. And so I've always felt the people that, that, that have that intentional, conscious nurturing of their own curiosity toward learning more quite often make the best deliverers of learning, you know, teachers and instructors and stuff. So uh, th that's, that's like my training philosophy in a, in a nutshell. Um, I mentioned earlier about uh, learning styles. I, my first workshop I was ever in, and I think it's in high school even, where they discussed the different learning styles. And it occurred to me, well, so I think I'm a kinesthetic learner. So if I'm engaged in a learning opportunity where there's only a book to read, it's not really hands-on like I'm inclined to, to favor. So am I just going to lose out on learning as much as I can? Or what, would it be better if I try to develop a balance between all the learning styles? And I'm, I'm to the point now where I don't honestly don't know what my learning style is because I, I try to maintain a balance among all of them. And I think that makes me a better deliverer of learning because I have a balance between the learning styles or try to maintain one at least. And you're empathetic to the different styles, so you're trying to kind of hit on all of them probably when you're training. So. Yes. Yes, and I try to include every 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 modality possible that I can imagine. Um, and, and with technology now, it's much easier than it ever was before. So there's fewer and fewer excuses to toward failing to address all the learning styles. 
Now, at the college, you mentioned that um, there is some um, some of the things that you can get uh, degrees in is in training. So that's right. That isn't that what you said earlier that you can be at you well, can learn how to get into training and and uh, instruction as a career. Yeah, there, there there is a there is an education track here um, at the college and. To, to get an associate's and then to move on to the university and follow an education track. Um, but it, having experience in military and government and private sector workplace training, and then for the last, well now 11 years in academic education, one of these days I'm gonna write a book on, on all the differences contrasting between training and education. So I'm, I am, I totally feel like this round peg in a square hole or whatever the cliche is <laughs> being a training mindset kind of person here in academia. It's, it's a, it's a weird fit, but it's, it's been fun. And then, um, but so, um, so you see yourself, uh, as you, as your career kind of advances and you grow moving into the private sector and, and doing this kind of work for businesses, um, at some point. Yeah, maybe I've, I've done a fair amount of consulting that has complemented my career, my work here at the college. I've done some outside consulting for businesses that just contact me for however they get a hold of me. Um, and I have, I've, I've thought about going back into the private sector, but, well, I mean, right now my son is about to start college here, and he gets free tuition because daddy's here. So, yeah, so that's know, for the a time tough time being. <laughs> You're going to be there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, at least a couple of years. A couple yeah, of years. But, um, but having those opportunities to consult on the outside, just it it benefits both my consulting client and the college because I've I you know cross pollination between two different ways of using an LMS. Yeah. Um, and then what There's, about what about Moodle? Or is that a resource for you? Um, have you been working closely with them? I know that you guys are using that LMS, but is that are they good, easy to work with? Are you finding benefit of? Um, kind of are they a true partner for you oh they absolutely have been they moodle core their organization moodle has always been a partner from day one they're 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 awesome um and i've got a facebook group for moodle system administrators and support people that's not for necessarily instructors using moodle but for people who support instructors using moodle a really really popular facebook group and so that's helped develop connections that with people who work at Moodle. We also have good ties with our uh, Moodle hosting company that we've been using for a long time, for well, since day one, about 10 years now. And so having a, a Moodle partner who is your Moodle hosting company and ties with Moodle, the product team itself, um, has been invaluable because even as a system admin that lives, eats, and breathes you know, everything in the system, there's still so much I don't know about the system. And to be able to just contact somebody either in our hosting company or Moodle Core itself, hey, I've got a question about something, and then right off the top of their head, they have the answer you need, and there, there you are up and running again. So, it, yeah, having those ties, and Moodle is an awesome tool, awesome software, and the team is just, it's just an awesome team. It's, it's, it's a great environment to work in. Well, Paul, it has been an absolute pleasure. When you write that book, definitely reach back out to us, and we'll get you on to talk about that. If somebody wanted to learn more about Lynn Benton, is there a website? 
Yes, Lynn Benton, just like it sounds, L-I-N-N-B-E-N-T-O-N dot E-D-U. And college website, and you'll see the Moodle logo in the upper right. Now, and if somebody wanted to connect with you, is there, are you on LinkedIn, or what's the best uh, social media? Or I guess you're in that Facebook group, right? I'm on, I'm on the Facebook group, yep, and I'm also on LinkedIn, Paul Tannehill. There's only a couple, three of us, and you'll, I'm, I'm the only one here at Len Benton College. I'm <laughs> easy to find that way. Happy to connect all I can to, to grow more and more. And then are you active in the uh, ATD or any of the training and development associations? Not so much. I haven't been able to maintain a, a membership on a lot of those associations because it's frowned upon career-wise here somehow. I don't, I don't <laughs> get that. Um, but I'm most active on our Facebook group and on, on LinkedIn. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. That's Paul Tannehill, and he's with Lynn Benton. And you can find them at lynnbenton.edu. Thank you so much, uh, Paul, and um, we'll chat once that book comes out. So now you, you can use this interview as a, as a starting point for your book. Oh, you know I will. Thank you, sir. <laughs> all right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Learning Insights.